Bay Street Theatre and the Sag Harbour Centre for the Arts is a year-round not-for-profit professional theatre and community cultural centre which endeavours to innovate, educate and entertain a diverse community through the practice of the performing arts. Programmes include main stage performances, the comedy club, workshops, special events and educational outreach. Executive Director Tracy Mitchell created Literature Live, launching the free ticket initiative and has expanded reach into nearly every aspect of the local and island-wide community. Director of Education and Community Outreach Alan O'Reilly has worked across the country as an educator and actor for 30 years. So Tracy Mitchell, uh, Alan O'Reilly, welcome to the creative process. Thank you. Uh, so uh, you're at uh, Bay Street Theatre, could you just uh, tell us about the theatre, you're also involved with the educational initiatives or some of your current projects that you just described. Sure. Um, well Bay Street Theatre is a professional regional theatre located on the eastern end of Long Island in Sag Harbor, New York, and we were founded 27 years ago by Emma Walton Hamilton and her husband Steve Hamilton and artistic director Sybil Christopher. And many of your viewers might know that um, Emma is the daughter of Julie Andrews, who was originally on our board at that time, and Sybil Christopher was the original Mrs. Richard Burton. And um, so they, we had a quite great, a lineage. Yes, we had quite the. Um, we were at the heart of sort of American theater um, glamour, if you will, at that time, and real, um, real American theater royalty. Right. And we've continued that with um, the hiring of our new artistic director, who's been here for about five years now, and that's Scott Schwartz. And Scott is an amazing uh, director, artistic director, dramaturge, and um, the theater has been thriving since I was able to hire him about five years ago. Um, and I've been here about 11 years, and Alan joined us just this past Two month. Two weeks. Mm -hmm. But passionate about uh, the opportunities mm -hmm. that are here already yeah. and the possibility of expansion. Lit Live, which is happening right now, is a, an amazing program. Um, the students in New York State study American classics, so it's the 10th anniversary of Lit Live, and they've done productions like Death of a Salesman. That's short for Literature Live. Yeah, Literature, yes. literature Live. Um, of Mice and Men, Death of a Salesman, um, various versions of uh, The Diary of Anne Frank. Mm -hmm. um, Things like that, and of course this year it's The Great Gatsby, which is a very topical and a rich story of Long Island. And the students, for the most part, have read the novel. Mm -hmm. They've seen uh, perhaps one or two of the movie versions of it, mm -hmm. but this is a very unique opportunity to take uh, Simon Levy, who has adapted mm -hmm. uh, the story, the novel, to a 90-minute production. And uh, we're right in the midst of it right now. It's a cast of nine actors. Um, and uh, I think it's highly successful. The students are, and teachers are thoroughly engaged. Uh, and afterwards, we do uh, a talk back with the cast uh, where the students get to ask questions of the actors mm -hmm. and really get an insider's view uh, of the creative process that uh, our artists are doing on the stage. 
much. I just sort of plunged in, but uh, really enjoying the talkbacks and conducting those. And the other day we went to um, a school, Bridgehampton School, before they saw the show uh, for some insights. Uh, They asked questions of the actors about how they prepared their roles, and it was very successful. Um, That idea, again, of taking a novel uh, and adapting it for the stage and that sense of what is in your mind's eye as you read and what we can do in the theater to make, to tell the story in a theatrical way that's different from what might be in the mind's eye of the student who reads. That's always the challenge. But it's, it's the challenge of the theater. I don't want to call it a challenge. It's the wonder of the theater to mm-hmm. be able to take those words and the director's thoughts, the artisan's ideas, the set designer, the projections that we use to tell mm-hmm. the story, uh, using those different uh, means to create the novel on stage, if you will, a theatrical mm-hmm. adaptation. And uh, it's really lovely, really lovely. Some real, es- I'm honored to be in the company of such um, high level artists um, here. I just came from the Cleveland Playhouse. Mm-hmm. It's another very well regarded regional company, but um, in this intimate space, it's wonderful to be able to experience the story and the artistry of these artists that have come together to tell it, mm-hmm. which is very unique for me right now. Yeah. And just sticking with that particular yeah. program, yeah. we started that, as, as Alan said, 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was something that I felt very strongly about. Um, I actually started the program because I found that my own daughter's mm. arts program in her school, in the public school system, had been cut back so much that they were no longer exposed to any plays. Mm. And um, unless you were in the outside club, you know, and did it on your own free time, you weren't being exposed to theater. Mm. So um, we decided that we would start this program and we would extend it over the course of a month and the schools, schools can come from anywhere from across Long Island, and they do. They come from an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes away, some of them, mm-hmm. to see professional theater with all the bells and whistles that we do on our main stage for free. Yeah. So That's so important. So for many of them, I imagine, it might be their first experience. Oh, absolutely. It is. Yeah. We yeah. asked the question at the beginning of the show, and the in the curtain speech, how many are here for the first time experiencing live theater? And you'd be surprised how many raise their hand. First yeah. time ever in live theater yeah. in their high school. Well, and it's yeah. so important because I was just discussing this for, for many of us. The, well, the impression of theater has become, well, when you talk about Broadway, and it's mm-hmm. like narrowly defined by that Broadway, oh, big stars or, you know, uh, big productions, uh, elite activities, but that, that's one, but not, not for those of you working in theater, which you, you know, the regional theater, you know all this, but for a lot of people it's become this dichotomy mm-hmm. uh, where, where other mediums are affordable. And it's, it's not true, there's the wonderful work taking place and, you know. Well, the fact yeah. is that much of what we do on our main stage, so our main stage takes place in the summer, yeah. when we will do three or four fully produced Mm-hmm. Um, pieces and each year we always do at least one new work yes. because to your point um, the writers and the stars, actors, des- designers, the William Ivy Longs in the world of costume, mm-hmm. 
they weren't always the name. They had to start somewhere. Sure. So our goal, we feel it's part of our mission, is to bring along the new voices, mm -hmm. as well as taking some of the older works and recreating them in a new way for a new audience. So what we'll do is we'll produce a new work, usually that's taken off of our, um, we have a new works festival where mm -hmm. we do staged readings of mm -hmm. four, maybe five new works, and it could be plays, it could be musicals, any of the above. Yeah. And so we will do those as staged readings um, with actors on books, but getting the, um, the playwright has the opportunity to hear it with a full audience and getting feedback from them as well to see what's working, what's not. Um, how might I consider making changes that um, a regional theater would then produce my work? Mm -hmm. So then we move into the main stage and we always do a new work there as well as recreating an, um, some of the classics. So as an example, um, this and much of this work, many of these pieces will go on to other places, including Broadway and Off-Broadway. Yeah. So we are actually creating that pipeline. It's kind of incubator. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the most recent piece that we did was um, the musical Evita. Mm -hmm. And we did it with 14 character, 14 um, actors in the show, all um, of Hispanic um, or Lat Latin Latinx. Latinx. It's referred to now. Yeah. Latinx. Um, and um, so not one of them had a name. They were mm -hmm. all unknowns. And in fact, the show did so well that um, people from Andrew Lloyd Webber's office came, loved it. Um, people from the Schubert organization came, loved it. And in fact, we're trying to move it to Off-Broadway right now. So, Fantastic. Yeah, it's really, um, it makes my heart sing both literally and figuratively uh -huh. um, with the music because I love it. Yeah. But um, it's really nice to know that you can create something without a star name in it. Right. And we do have stars that come in our you know, we, did great, yeah. we did Grey Gardens starring Betty Buckley and Rachel yeah. York. I mean, we, we yeah. have yeah. big names yeah. at times, but it is a wonderful thing mm -hmm. to know that you can recreate a piece with unknown talent mm -hmm. and have that go to the next level um, without, with just because of their talent. Sure, well yeah, because yeah. names don't become names unless they have talent. Yeah, you know, They can't survive, you know, exactly. long term it's not. Yeah. Exactly, but there's so many talented people out there, and I don't mean just on stage, I mean yeah. all of our behind the scenes designers mm -hmm. and directors and uh, choreographers and costumers. Um, so it's one of the things that we're very proud of. I'm Edward Chekets, an international student from Australia, studying theater and literature at Sarah Lawrence College in New York, and an associate interview producer of the creative process. As a young theater artist based in New York City, I'm interested by the regional space of theater and how new works can start in that space and then make their way onto the Broadway stage. I found Tracy's comments about the importance of incorporating new work into each season at Bay Street, a critical component of what regional theater can offer young artists such as myself, a platform that provides the freedom for ideas to grow and develop and then springboard into the theater landscape such as Broadway and Off-Broadway. But regional theater can also offer so much more,
and I can relate to Alan's comment about the importance of lit live or literature live as an opportunity for students to study and see American classics on stage, whether they were originally written for the stage or not. The importance of educating young theatre goers with the knowledge of classic American plays has also been symbiotic with a resurgence of revivals and adaptations in contemporary theatre. I have seen adaptations of Lord of the Flies, The Picture of Dorian Gray, and would love to have seen Bay Street's adaptation of The Great Gatsby. But for every adaptation I've seen, there is a million revivals, from Oklahoma to Death at a Funeral to A Streetcar Named Desire, I'm curious about this infatuation with the past, particularly an American past, particularly an American theatre past, where the golden age of theatre was dominated by plays by Tennessee Williams, Arthur Miller, and many more titans of the sport. Coming with an outside perspective, it's interesting to trace what new projects and plays pay homage to the great ones, and where does it get messy between creating the new and respecting the old? Every theatre company, no matter where they are in America, will have a slot or two in their season for adaptations and revivals. Tracy and Alan's comments on the American theatre royalty Bay Street originates from sparks an interesting discussion about the ties Bay Street has with their theatre glamour of the past and how that influences the work they produce now. The importance of interdisciplinary work is also something I'm interested in and Tracy's idea to incorporate music and comedy to strengthen the relationship between theatre and all ages of audience members is a possibility to increase audience numbers. Later in the interview, Tracy and Alan will explain how they assist artists in their interdisciplinary work and the main purpose of modern theatre in efforts to create discourse amongst the public. Um, in the summer, we bring out well-known named uh, comedians like Paula Poundstone and Richard Lewis, those kind of folks. But during the rest of the year, we have an up-and-coming um, all-star comedy, it's called. And those are artists that are just trying to, you know, learn, cut their chops on comedy. And so they'll come here and they'll try out material and they'll see what works and see what doesn't and get input. And the same kind of thing. We're developing the comedians of tomorrow. And... Um, so that too, it, and it brings in a whole different audience. Sure. You know, it's yeah. um, it's good to be able to support the needs of people from all ages and all um, different kinds of people that like different kinds of art. Um, we also have now, um, sort of under the Bay Street umbrella, is a group called the Goat on a Boat Puppet oh, Theater. Right. Yes, um, which is one of the last there's 50 remaining puppet theaters in the United States and so when they um, when they lost their lease where they mm -hmm. they were in a church or something we said come on in right. we'll figure out how to make it work mm -hmm. so now of course they're attracting the youngest members yeah. obviously yeah. of the theater going crowd with families with little ones from as young as two and younger um, yeah. to see live puppetry. Yeah. So that's also, an, that's, we've been doing that now for about three years. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other piece of our, of what we do is, so Bay Street Theater is the big umbrella and representing all the theatrical work that we do. Um, we also actually changed our name several years ago to represent the full mission, mm -hmm. which is the Bay Street Theater and the Sac Harbor Center for the Arts. 
Oh yeah, and the Sag Harbor Center for the Arts piece really represents us as a community resource. Mm -hmm. So as an example, we house and welcome all of the filmmakers and make sure that we, um, people like the Take Two documentary, documentary series, um, has a home. The Hamptons International Film Festival uses our location. Mm -hmm. We have, um, last week, just last week, the Latino organization called Ola oh, right, yeah. did like, their films here. Um, so we, we have other things that we like to host because mm -hmm. it's a needed thing mm -hmm. in our community. Um, and we've always done a film here, even before the theater, even before the cinema burned down. So yeah. we've had that under our umbrella. And then we also serve as a, um, just as a home for about 35 other nonprofits mm -hmm. during the non-summer months, mm -hmm. because a lot of organizations out here don't have a place, yeah. like don't have bricks and mortar, and they need to, to sustain themselves. They, they need to host their own fundraisers and those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So they use, make use of our space, some of which may be <coughs> more arts oriented, such as um, we work with a vet, um, veterans group mm -hmm. um, and they come and tell their stories on the stage and work on the stage for a few days and then um, perform. Oh. And yeah, That's I amazing. mean, it's a broad range. <laughs> I do need to bring Alan up to full speed yeah, on everything we do here. Um, so uh, we also support a group called Stages, which is a children's uh, organization, and they do creative yeah. drama classes as mm -hmm. well as putting on uh, shows um, quarterly during yeah. the year. Yeah. So it's a whole host of. Um, arrangements and anything we can do to support our artists in our local area as well as other nonprofits that need support we do that sure and you're a great example you know as an organization with great longevity and um, I think that's important as well that you're supportive that way yeah, yeah I mean it's definitely a part of the mission mm -hmm. because we're here to serve yeah and um, whether that's an artist that needs to, I'm thinking last year we, uh, there was a gentleman we worked with who was a um, production manager for us, but his real passion was improv. Okay. So huh. we said, well, why don't you take some nights, <clears throat> take a week, bring some actors together, you know, practice, do what you want to do, and clearly we'll give you the audience. We'll give you the space, we'll give you the audience. So. Um, you know, the performing arts, that's the way it develops. And yeah, it's um, the, the beautiful cool. collaboration and uncertainty. You yeah. Just, yeah, you don't know what necessarily yeah. what's going on. So I'm wondering about your, um, you know, casting, commissioning uh, mm. process, you know, how you choose, whether it's from the Great Gatsby or whatever, you know, how do you choose those things? How, how does that come to together? Yeah. So there's many different ways. Um, and we, actors too, yeah. the people you work yeah. with. Them, yeah, yeah. Um, first, I'll start with the writers and the scripts. Yeah. Um, as a professional regional theater, we get a number of scripts from agents. Mm -hmm. It's just the nature of, you know, that's one major way that we get our scripts. But we also have people that come to us 
directly from our own circles, our locally, um, someone that comes and says, you know, I really need dramaturgical help with this piece. I know it's not ready. What what could you do to help me with this? Um, I, just this week, I went in to see uh, a new musical that's a, just a workshop phase mm -hmm. um, of a patron who knew someone who had a beautiful script. Mm -hmm. So it comes to us in so many different ways. And you um, look for three acts, one acts, you know, when you're trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we don't have any set mm -hmm. um, parameters that way. We have to, because we only have a three or four um, show summer's main stage season, mm -hmm. we try and gather a sort of a broad breadth mm -hmm. of work, you know, a types of work within mm -hmm. those three or four. Um, so we wouldn't necessarily do, you know, three comedies or mm -hmm. three tr dramatic, you know, uh, serious things. We have to sort of look, take a big picture look at it, but we do look at it a little bit thematically mm -hmm. so that there, that, so that the season does have an arc to it. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the key piece, as Scott likes to say, is that we want work, no matter what type of work it is, we want people talking about it after. Yeah. Not the kind of thing where you just come in and have a good laugh and you clap and you leave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want people thinking and talking and having mm -hmm. it be, you know, maybe it's just a different take on something that's a bit more provocative, mm -hmm. or it is a serious piece which, um, you know, has creates dialogue. Yeah. Sure, that's the lovely thing about theater is yes. that it provokes, it's participatory in some yeah. way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And with this is my own personal bias. It feels to me that in the in today's world we sort of have more and more isolation. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at it with my own daughter. If you don't take her off the computer, if you don't take her off her iPad, if you don't take her off her phone, I mean, she'll she'll have playdates, and there'll be three kids, and they're all doing mm -hmm. they're all sitting there yeah. separately, right? Yeah. So this is a medium by which you know the yeah, audience is a part yeah. of the play. Yeah, yeah, they, you know, they are. They're there, and it only happens in that moment, yeah. right? You know, just in that moment, and the next night can be completely different. Mm -hmm. And I always get a thrill out of when people sit and stay after in the lobby, and I see them talking, yeah. and I overhear them, yeah, you know. It's, that's really fun. Yeah. And I'll even get people for plays that have a bit more, uh, let's just say, they're unclear about the tr the who the final villain is, or the, yeah. you know, the, the, um, uh, antagonist, sure. you yeah. know, I'll hear them, and sometimes they'll even call me and, and talk to me and say, Trace, now, did he really ah, do that? And I was like, I, what do you think? Yeah. You know, yeah. because that's theater, that, yeah. yeah, so I think we need more too. ways to connect uh -huh. in a live setting. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, because we have all these barriers to, to being yeah. seen, to be yeah. filters, filtering out intimacy. And things that we think that we got rid of, you know, in the 1920s, as they say in The Great Gatsby, when he says, you know, well, we're the, you know, we're all white here, and let's face it, we're the ones that, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, yeah. but we're the ones that came up with 
we are the culture. We came up with, yeah. you know, uh, inventions and, and yeah. you think today, Ugh. you know, there are some people saying those exact yes. things today. Mm -hmm. It's right really, yeah. you know, it just takes you by surprise. Yeah. And yeah, I think for the, especially for the students that are seeing this, that you know, it's that moment of shock. It's yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah, that's a part, that's a part of the great grasp. We don't think about it. I I I remember it, but I know it is a a novel about wealth and aspiration mm -hmm. and just that rom romantic love or yes, you know, the power. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we actually have to tell the students before before the show starts that. Because of the way some of the men are treating the women, right. and you know they're, yeah. they're hitting each other, and they're um, you know the the, the affairs and the yeah. and the it's yes and the things that you know we I certainly remember when I first watched it, I never really thought about all the the alcohol that they're drinking in every scene, yeah. mm -hmm. you know. And in the end, it's the demise of, right. you know, it causes the demise right. of one of the people. But you just don't, it, it, yeah. it, sometimes when you see it live versus reading it, it really hits you. It, it hits yeah. you that, yeah. like, that was an yeah. aspect that I missed yeah. while reading the Same book. Same here, yeah. Sure, yeah, know? it's yeah. not be the physicality. Yeah, That's exactly. interesting, yeah, because I was just, just did an interview with a writer, and she said a production, a film made of her books, you probably know Susan Merrill, and yeah, um, sure. And but she was talking about the thrill of seeing, you know, the dimension, uh, the characters and dimension and all mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's it's so exciting. So and then of course you in theater have that all the time. It's yeah. always right. You know what's on the page is a blueprint for, but it's not the finished. Right. Yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah, the students uh, are having an amazing experience. Those that have read the novel uh, again, what their image in their mind's eye might be when they read, but to see it in flesh and blood, sure. coming to life, the nuances, the foibles of the human condition coming to life before their eyes—it's blowing them away. And I that's think that's the most yeah. remarkable thing about because it. Because with yeah. Fitzgerald, of course, there's yeah. this. There's such. It's so dense with the romanticism of the la the beauty of the mm. language that yeah. you can forget right. the what flaws really of the characters. Yeah, exactly. yeah, It just seems like oh, they're floating across. The, I'm just yeah. mm -hmm. in the beginning, sure. floating across from like like butterflies or something like that. Yeah. I can't. Uh, and that, but you forget that there's all this <laughs> trauma and drama, right. yeah. you know, underneath it all. Yeah. So it's it's a really exciting program, and I'm sure that I only know like a, a fraction of it. I really want to celebrate that more so that you can share those experiences because, as you rightly said, there's, you know, the arts aren't as supported as they should be. Really, right. they're not neglected and. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, to to me it seems like there is a correlation between when you whatever it's a pressure valve or whatever it's a, it's a how we how we express ourselves and all those tensions if you don't express them in the in the arts mm -hmm. well I like yes. look at the political arena and I yeah. see that you know if you don't express them where they should be expressed That's where right. we can vent those feelings then it, it detours and it finds. Yeah. It takes you somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, 
I mean, what is your message to, and how can we incorporate the arts more into education, and how can we, um, you know, what can we do besides programs like yours, which are kind of parallel to educational mm -hmm. programs in the schools? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's the passion of the artists that mm. can touch, no matter what, what that is, no matter what you're feeling you want to express, um, I think it's that passion that can move anybody, an adult, a child, to look at something in a completely different way and envision themselves in a different place. Or, because you never know when that's gonna touch somebody, you mm -hmm. never know when a child especially is going to, something's going to, they're going to see something, they're going to yeah. hear something, whether it's a piece of music or they see a costume and watch it being created from, from this roll of, you know, of material. You just don't know what's going to spark, right. mm -hmm. spark somebody. So, you know, even if schools can't afford, let's face it, can, theater is just like film is one of the most collaborative art forms. Mm -hmm. It does not exist in in isolation. Mm. Yes. It cannot be created without the entire group. Mm. So to me, even if a school can't afford to really do that, mm -hmm. they should at least still be taking some of those elements mm -hmm. um, and trying to spark that yeah. that passion, even if it's sending in one actor, or sending in a costume designer, or sending in a scenic person, or sending in a, a sound person. You know, I, I was just thinking last week, we had a composer who actually composed, you, if you see the show, composed all this 1920s music. It sounds, I actually at the beginning didn't realize we were composing new yeah. music yeah. for the 20s. So. And I, he came out, and he was sitting up in his, um, in the rehearsal room, and he was composing new pieces based on what he'd seen, and I was, I was so yeah. fascinated by, like, what made you decide that that moment didn't work, and what, right. and I think yeah. if people saw, mm. it, you know, had access to right, even just right. pieces of it, mm -hmm. that we could sp mm. spark something yes. in, and. And quite frankly, if you're not exposed to these things when you're younger, you almost never. Right. They've already, yeah. yeah, yeah, they've proven over and over yeah. again. Uh, just the way I wasn't exposed to um, to museums as yeah. a youngster. Now, because I'm in the arts, I try, I want to learn. Mm -hmm. But when I go into the museums, I'm I'm the first to confess I'm pretty lost. You know, mm -hmm. I don't. I don't have a background in that. I didn't learn about it. So, you know, I can take it in small pieces yeah. and try and learn. Um, but, know, yeah, it's, it's not the way it becomes the second nature. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So for you, both of you, what were the those initial works of art or performance that, that just say, told you you wanted to work in theater that just that really spoke to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a couple. Sure, I had a couple. Speaking of puppetry, really, when I was a child, I, I was totally fascinated by the world of marionettes. Mm -hmm. 
they, they sort of both thrilled me and terrified me at the same time. Um, that world and how they were manipulated and how you forgot that those those puppets were manipulated. I, my, my mother, God rest her soul, was, was so good about exposing me. To, I grew up in Philadelphia, which is a wonderful place for museums and arts and theater. Uh, and I was exposed to all of it. And I remember very distinctly going to the Valley Forge Music Fair and having the guy playing Billy Bigelow in uh, Carousel coming down front and looking at me that just sort of blew me away that that, that could happen. Um, and then as an actor, my I was always, very shortly, I was a, an athlete most of my life, but then um, I was uh, in a production uh, of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I mentioned this in my interviews, and um, somebody said to me uh, from the audience, I was playing one of the residents in a mental institution, and someone said, he must be going for the Academy Award because I was so into my characterization of a mental patient, if you will, that that just sort of resonated with me, that I didn't know how far to go, and someone was responding to my work. Mm -hmm. So that inspired me. So little things along the way. Uh, and then, you know, I still get inspired every time I'm on stage or see something that moves me, that keeps me going. I'm not a young man anymore, and so I love the constant inspiration and spark that I get from watching live theater or doing live theater. Mm -hmm. And for me, I grew up as a singer. Um, from the time I was five years old, I was in a group. I grew up in Cleveland, mm -hmm. which is a big music town. I mean, it's a big art, you yeah. know, great museums too, but for whatever reason, yeah. we, uh, yeah. our family focused yeah. on uh, music and musical theater. And um, so I sang growing up my whole life. And um, I can tell you, I remember I was seven or eight years old and we came on a bus from Cleveland to New York City to sing at, um, to record the Kraft Music Hall special, Christmas cool. special. Mm -hmm. So this was a time when Kraft was a cheese, right? Kraft cheese. Mm -hmm. And they used, to, they used to sponsor all these, the Christmas special every year. So it was a big deal because it was big stars. Sure. We sang with Wayne Newton and now I'm really dating myself. It's the okay. I'm really with you. And, right. Yeah. So at any rate, yeah. it, but I can tell you, I remember at that moment when I was on the stage and we were shooting the thing over and over and over, recording this over and over and over again. Um, I just said, I will be in the entertainment business. I would like uh, to sing and act and do all that yeah. stuff. And I did that for quite a long time. I, I did it all the way up to off Broadway, off off Broadway. In a musical that I got to do, and it was directed by the original guy that directed um, South Pacific. Huh. So it was okay. really, re you know, I've just had these experiences mm -hmm. over yeah. time, and I got to sing at Carnegie Hall, and I got to sing on back up on Liza Minnelli's album, and so all of this stuff kept me yeah. in the mix. I was a television and film producer before I came here, so uh, anything mm -hmm. sort of. A Putting the pieces together, mm. just mm. love it. Yeah, well, how beautiful and how beautiful that, that you can communicate and then foster yeah. the, you know, tomorrow's talents as well. That's really beautiful. Well, um, thank you so much, Tracy okay. and Alan, for adding your voice to the creative process and for all that you're doing to um, enrich the um, the lively artistic community here in Sag Harbor and the Thank you. Thank you so much.
This interview was conducted by Mia Funk with the participation of collaborating universities and students. Associate interviews producer on this podcast was Ned Checkerts. Assignment editor is Sorella Lark. Digital media coordinator is Camille Montalino. Wintertime was composed by Nicholas Anadolis and performed by the Athenian Trio.